You're listening to the IBSI Views podcast. This is Gaia Lamperti, and today we're joined by Bhairav Kriveri, CEO of Crown Agents Bank. Hello, Bhairav, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Guy, and thank you so much for having me on the show. It's our pleasure, absolutely. So, Bhairav, would you like to maybe introduce Crown Agents Bank's work and value proposition? Absolutely. So, Crown Agents Bank is a bank that's steeped in history. I mean, we, we are a bank that's been over 200 years, and I like to say that a few years ago, we got injected with fintech hormones and really started to focus in on the core payments infrastructure across several emerging and frontier markets. And so today what we do is we really provide financial services in the form of FX and payments to emerging and frontier markets globally. And we do that for all of our customers, which tend to be large corporates, international development organizations, governments, central banks, and non-bank financial institutions. Thanks a lot. And I would like to start by asking you a big question. (laughs) So we're witnessing more and more financial services and even the traditional banks embracing the digital transformation and new tools to meet the customer's demands. So how are these digital tools, like the ones offered by Crown Agents Bank, to serve better and more efficiently the customer's? Excellent questions. As we look at uh, how the financial services world has progressed over time, I mean, you know, it's always been about speed. It's been about accuracy. It's been about efficiency. It's been about being able to provide these services globally from single points of origin. And so to that end, actually, digital transformation has done a phenomenal job in what we do. Uh, Let me give you some examples, right? So uh, in the good old days, typically you waited for a few days to actually have money physically move from one location to another. Then there was an exchange element and you change the money from, say, dollars to kwacha. And then from there on, then you made a payment out to someone. Today, with the digital environment, all of this stuff happens virtually in seconds, if not nanoseconds. And so settlements take place across geographies, funds move digitally from one point to the other. They get converted in a virtual environment and then finally get dispersed directly to digital elements. And these could be mobile wallets. These could be cards. These could be physical cash. These could be money being taken out of an ATM if you actually need the physical cash. And all of that happens within minutes as opposed to several days in the good old times. So that's number one. I think the second thing is also what tends to happen is when you've got a digital or an electronic means of doing this, you tend to significantly reduce errors that could be human errors or errors because of some subjective decisions being made. And so to that end, I think, you know, we are seeing a lot of that in the industry and that's actually leading to a lower cost of these transactions greater efficiency, definitely, faster settlement, better accuracy, all of those things together. Absolutely. And, you know, we mentioned the benefits for the customers, but this also is for the businesses as well, because specifically in the foreign exchange vertical, for example, the competition is fierce now and embracing digital services becomes key for the business to remain agile and afloat. So how has Crown Agents Bank embraced that as well? And how how quickly did you realize that was going to be the way and what are some of the implementation that you adopted to basically keep up with the pace of the demand? Absolutely. Another great question. So, you know, I mean, uh, as we look, so take away from the consumer and get on to the actual banks, 
Some of the benefits for them are definitely, I said, and number one is the faster settlement times because of the virtual environments that we leverage. The fact that these money, the money is moving digitally in some sense through notifications, as well as you've got greater accuracy. But I think also in a foreign exchange environment where you've got several transactions taking place, if you go back to what the traditional means were, which were on the phone, then you just got to keep scaling up, right? And that's not cost optimal, neither is it efficient enough for our customers or for us as organizations. So what Crown Agents Bank did was a few years ago, we realized that this needs to move on to a complete digital platform. And to that end, we acquired, we decided actually to leverage technology to really improve our services. And to that end, we acquired a payment gateway with a company called Segovia, which we took on board and then integrated that entire piece with our backend processing platforms. So here's here's some of the things we've done. Today, we've got a very powerful foreign exchange trading platform that's available directly through Bloomberg, Reuters, 360T, and a number of other platforms. And what it allows people to do is go online, enter an amount, and find out exactly what the exchange rate is gonna be and instruct digitally to actually do that transaction. So it's completely seamless, takes seconds, and no human intervention is ever required on that piece. We also then took on, you know, with some of the products we provide, which is a payments, uh, which is a pensions platform, we then took on the next level of digital proof of life. So to that end, what we did was we said, okay, with pensions payments, always you want to know, is the individual still alive? Are they, you know, the right person, et cetera? So there's an ID element, there's a proof of life element, and both those are completely digitized by us. So today we provide this to a number of different pensions organizations across the world, and they are able to pay their pensioners globally, instantaneously, knowing that it's the right person, as well as they deserve to get that payment. The other thing we did was also, we then said, okay, all of this is going to create a lot of back-end and back-office operations needs. And again, there it is a question about scaling up and having lots of people to manage that. So we said, how do we institute robotic automation on the back-office so that we create these little bots that actually can run and do the work of several human beings? And I think there's, there's one is the efficiency advantage, but also the lower error rate, right? I mean, if you've got bots making a decision, I don't have a subjective decision. I don't have a human error piece. It happens automatically and it gets done seamlessly. And to that end, you know, I mean, I used to joke with my board that, you know, we have plenty of people sitting there in the operations side. Now you look there, there's no real heads, but you've got all these little bots running around doing all these things. And really that's what we do in terms of robotic process automation. And then the final last element of this piece is we instituted artificial intelligence and machine learning. And, you know, I know a lot of these are buzzwords, but, you know, this is real applications of this, right? So in case we have an element where, you know, there is some level of personal screening for a transaction to figure out whether it is going to the right person, is this person on any kind of list? Oftentimes you can get names that are very similar and the system will throw them out. We use artificial intelligence to now basically identify, yes, this name was already thrown out twice before. It doesn't need to be rescreened. It is clear and move on. The second thing we use artificial intelligence and machine learning for is our transaction screening systems. 
And what they do is they screen all the transactions, they identify suspicious activity, and they push it out for manual intervention at that. This is amazing, but I guess what's even more amazing is what these technologies enable. And the bank prides itself of being able to reach some of those segments of the customer base that has traditionally been underserved, underbanked. So would you like to tell us a bit more about this in terms of the mission of the bank and what technology can enable you to achieve? Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, if you think about what our tagline is as an organization is moving money everywhere it's needed. And really what we do is we enable, so as I mentioned earlier, we have different client segments and they have different needs. So let's start off with some of our top client segments, the international development organizations. And these could be large UN entities, they could be, you know, relief services, they could be charitable organizations. For them, the key driver is to make sure that they move their money, it gets to the person that it needs to get get to or the organization, and it is, what do you call it, cost-effective, right? And by cost-effective, I mean, traditionally, a lot of these people have had several middlemen, and whenever you have middlemen, there's always leakage, right? So you start with 100, by the time it gets to the end source, it could be 50, 60, 70, but not quite the 100, And what we do is we maximize that by having a single point of contact and allow the entire funds to flow through directly, minimizing leakage, as well as providing excellent exchange rates because we tend to dominate in the geographies we operate in. Okay, so the good examples of that, you know, the entire, whenever there's a humanitarian crisis anywhere, the, you know, uh, High Commission of Refugees might be doing some work, there might be charitable organizations contributing, and we are able to take those funds for those organizations convert them to the destination currency and be able to pay out individually to people. So we've done this for, uh, you know, UNDP, UN High Commission of Refugees, et cetera. We've also done this now fairly extensively in Afghanistan, where you understand there's a humanitarian crisis. We may or may not agree with the government in place, but we definitely have to make sure that people do not suffer. And so to that end, we work closely with governments across the world that are trying to get funds across to these people, facilitate, you know, payments, facilitate small little things, food, critical items so that they do not suffer from hypothermia, et cetera. So to that end, that's one segment of our customers. The second segment is tends to be large governments. So you could have the US State Department, the FCDO, et cetera, and they are basically making payments for the government as well as for their foreign offices across the geographies, and we tend to facilitate all those. The third large segment for us would be central banks and banks in a lot of these destination countries. So when you think about central banks, think about most banks in Africa, central banks in Africa, and they typically have large debt from China, from you know the Middle East, et cetera, various developed countries. And what we do is we facilitate their debt service payments. So think about the interest that they pay on a regular basis, We are able to move those funds for them directly from their account and be able to pay back the governments in various geographies. And then the last big segment, of course, as you know, is all of these new fintech, non-bank financial institutions. So think about the wises of the world, the Zaps, you know, every single fancy name that you've heard of out there, pretty much every one of those, those is our customers. And we enable them to rapidly launch geographies for themselves. So if they wanted to go to Rwanda, They could either go and set up infrastructure there or they come to us and they say, I want to be able to facilitate payments through Rwanda. We have that set up and ready and going next day because we have partners there and we are able to facilitate those. 
So those are some of the kind of things that we really have a big, big impact. Great. As you were mentioning, sometimes the pace at which these technologies get embraced by emerging economies is very impressive. Sometimes the innovation starts from these places and gets then exported in the rest of the world. And this is very true in the field of financial technology. Um, so I'm sure you have a couple of case studies and experiences when you notice that some technologies and some advancements in your work started locally, hyper-locally even sometimes because of a specific need of that community of that demographic absolutely and i you know i think uh, all of us know about you know none of us can survive without our mobile phones today and uh, you know as we look at mobile payments i think that's probably the best and most well-known case study so it originated in kenya there there was a very specific need people were actually you know moving from smaller locations into big cities to do shopping etc And they really didn't want to carry physical cash. So you actually went into a mobile operator, gave your money out there. And then when you got to the big city, you could either take out the money directly from the mobile operator or else you could actually make payments directly with your mobile phone. And that's really what started mobile payments, right? So uh, I'm talking about M-Pesa and Safaricom out of Kenya. And over time, that's evolved into most of these emerging economies dominating in mobile payments. I mean, you know, for us, uh, we almost look antiquated compared to what they are doing on, uh, you know, mobile payments as well as paying through their mobile phones as well as other means, you know. I think if you go to countries like India, they actually created something called the Unified Payments Interface, UPI, that has now become something that is being used by a lot of different countries. And really what it does, it leverages a QR code And it, it comes about because of a specific need. In the case of India, it was they demonetized certain banknotes. And suddenly people did not have physical cash that was usable. So all of them moved to mobile wallets and started to use that and, you know, payment at uh, merchant locations. And guys would print out small little QR code that was specific to them. And these guys would scan it and the payment was made. And, you know, now that's started to dominate how we pay everywhere. I mean, you know, how many of us really carry cash these days, right? Uh, you know, it's it's almost scary, but, you know, the, sometimes when someone asks me for cash and I'm fishing around and I don't even have 20 quid in my pocket, right? I mean, those are the kinds of things we've come into. So I think that's one. I think we'll also see the evolution of what I call, and not crypto, but digital currencies, Right. So a lot of these emerging economies are looking at, uh, you know, what they're doing in the uh, area of financial services and saying, great, but could I move to a cashless society by leveraging digital currencies? So today, if you look at it, most of the developed economies are all taking a wait and watch attitude towards digital currencies. But a lot of the emerging economies, like you've got them in the Bahamas, you've got Nigeria, you've got Ghana, all of them, Nigeria specifically made a big announcement about the e-Naira, and they've launched that. You've got China that is actually using the e-Yuan. And, you know, all of them are using these digital currencies. And I think that's going to make it much more efficient how governments operate, how they monitor the flow of their currencies globally. And it's one of those things where you actually know Gaia's got five digital dollars in her wallet and she paid for three of them with this and things of that. So those are the examples. And I think, you know, we'll see more and more of that take off. I'm very excited about what's happening in the world today. And I think it's going to be even more exciting over the next couple of years. And I think we at Crown Agents Bank are specifically excited because a lot of these banks have approached us and asked us to take a lead role in managing some of these things for them.
That does sound really exciting. So congratulations, Bhairav, and thank you so much for sharing those insights with us today. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful speaking to you. Amazing. And thanks again. Thank you.